Cox and Graziano Funeral Homes. Jennifer is here to discuss a sensitive subject we all need to talk and think about. Here now is Jennifer Graziano and Time to Talk. Good morning, Westchester. It's 9 a.m. on Monday, and that means it's time to talk with me, Jen Graziano. I'm a licensed funeral director who oversees my family's funeral homes, Cox and Graziano of both the Marinick and Greenwich and the Zion Memorial Chapel of Westchester. Every Monday, I come to you discussing important topics and sensitive matters that all of us need to pause and reflect upon at some point. And through this show, I hope to provide a platform to do so. If you're joining us this morning on WVOX 1460, a Whitney Global Media Station, we will gladly take your questions, comments, and calls to 914-636-0110. Good morning to Vinny and everyone back in the control room. And good morning, Facebook Live viewers. Happy Monday. What a great way to start the week with all of you. I appreciate all the great feedback that I've been getting from the show. And Tim Judge sitting next to me um, in front of the camera today, GreenwichLocal.com, the man in front and behind the camera. So it's a Monday. It's a new week. We are refreshed. We're ready to start again. And let's try once again to be healthy this week. Perhaps we're still going on our New Year's resolutions, hopefully. Um, and if not, it's not too late. If you fell off the horse, you can get right back on. So good morning to uh, health, wellness, fitness expert, Brian Mirabella. Brian, are you on the line? Yes, Jen. Can you hear me? I can. Great to hear from you. It's been a while since we had you on the show. Yes, it has. I'm so excited to be back on. Thank you. Thank you for being here. So I teed you up a little bit in the morning show when I was on with Dennis and Tawny. um, Because you are a health and wellness expert, Um, I want to get to what your official title is. But you have such an unconventional approach to health and to your diet, but it it works wonders for you. And you so strongly believe in this. So I want to talk about your platform, um, what it is you do and what you have, your fruitarian lifestyle. So tell (laughs) us a bit about yourself, Brian. Hi, Jen. Um, Yeah. Well, I guess it's been quite a while since I've been on. And um, when I was last on, I had mentioned that I had become fruitarian, meaning uh, 95% of my diet is subsisting on fruits, berries, melons, and 5% maybe salads. So you were um, not, not really... always. So you were not always subscribing to this lifestyle. This is something you know. Could you give like an honor about what age you were when you began this? Yeah, when I was 40, uh, 49 years old, I was told by a um, a very experienced, well-to-do acupuncturist that guys like me have a heart attack in their 60s and die. And that's because the acupuncturist was looking at my organs and the energy in my body related to how my organs were functioning. And at that time, I had lived a life of complete and utter stress, born to stress, then got married and had a lot of stress for 18 years until <laughs> my child was old enough to leave the house. And, um, you know, stress is what comes back to haunt us. And I found that it was destroying my organs. And he looked at my tongue and said it was from childhood, like an acupuncturist can see these things. So I had done a lot of research that a fruit diet would clean you out at the same time that it nourishes you. No other fruit can do that because apparently humans are what we call frugivores. Their digestive system is really only designed to digest fruits. 
And I know that sounds crazy because a lot of people are healthy living on meat and fish and vegetables, but there are also a lot of people that are not healthy. And we wonder why would the reason it is for that. Well, some people are just better adaptable to eat a diet where they mix a lot of foods. But if you look at nature, you'll never see an animal anywhere in nature eat more than one food at a time. And you'll never see an animal eat outside their species-specific diet unless they're forced to by a change in their environment. So, Brian, I think one of the common threads that weaves through many of these um and I'm going to say radical diets, because even what, what I subscribe to is a bit radical in the restrictive nature of it. But what the common thread that weaves through these types of um, lifestyles is that we need to eat what our predecessors ate, what, you know, the original raw foods of the land are, it, are the things that our bodies are designed to metabolize and break down. So when you talk about fruit, I mean, we know Meat's been here since the beginning of time. I mean, you know, humans are carnivores by by nature as well. But when we talk about fruits, have these fruits, I mean, from the beginning of time, as far back as we can go, were there berries, were there melons, were, were, was early man eating and digesting this? Was it readily found in the land that was here at the beginning of time? Um, The answer is an absolute yes, because, as far back as we know, we can go geology that we were a tropical climate. Okay. And and all the hominids that were surviving in a tropical climate would have been even more protected by a forest than an open savanna <laughs> where they're much more easily killed, right? So they'd like to have you believe that you evolved on the Serengeti where you to devolve to eat meat, and that's how you grew a bigger brain. But that couldn't be further from the truth, because if God were to place you naked anywhere on this world, you would never have the ability to kill an animal, because you don't have any tools in your body to do it. And your brain would have taken you millions of years to figure that out, just to make a fire, and then you'd have to understand how to kill an animal, and then you'd have to understand how to eviscerate it. I mean, you guys think about all that. Yeah. None of that is natural. It took the brain to adapt to do it. But for millions of years, we were living in symbiosis. And symbiosis was the fact that there were readily beautiful, vibrant colored fruits everywhere hanging on trees. And these fruits have seeds in them. And then when the hominid or another animal ate the seeds of the fruit, it would procreate it around the rest of the forest. Every other animal has been given a tool to eat their species-specific diet, and we don't, we don't have any of that except for the digits that we can pluck stuff off trees. Is there a difference in your diet of fruit that's found, um, you know, certain fruits that are found readily in a given environment? Um, like up here in the Northeast, you know, we're, we're limited with our growing season, um, whereas down in Florida, you know, you have a, a year-round growth of certain fruits such as oranges does it matter um you know fruits that are readily found in a certain area that are endemic to an area versus now you see um indoor gardens um does does any of that bear weight on your diet where the the source of the fruit is coming from 
Yeah, well, luckily, I do live in the heart of New York City, and I could get fruit anywhere. <laughs> it's kind of easy, and everything is flash frozen, even if it comes from South America. So the freshness is still there, especially with fruit, because it hasn't been alive very long. So you could eat fruit at any point throughout the year, which I do, even in this cold climate, because I haven't done, I'm not done finished cleaning my organs, although I have cleaned out the major damage. My acupuncturist told me not to do it. He didn't think it was going to be healthy for me. And now, four years into this diet, he says, what I've done with my body is nothing short of remarkable. He's never seen it. And I, and I keep hitting new layers of cleanliness where I can, I can feel the difference. And then it was my breathing practice that got me onto this kind of lifestyle. I started doing a specific breathing practice a year and a half before that. And then all of a sudden, my body started to gravitate to what I would consider to be a higher biophoton type of lifestyle. Biophotons is because these fruits all grow above the ground. So they're being nurtured by the sun. And they very specifically have what's called structured water which is H, HCO3. And it's three hydrocarbons to one oxygen molecule and that's structured water. And that structured water is exactly what the zygote makes when the sperm and the egg are fused. And it's available in the body. And it's the solvent where all the chemical reactions take place. But we're also taught that you should drink water. And that's also not really true. You don't need very much water. You only need like 210 milliliters a day. But people are eating a diet that's dehydrating them. So every type of cooked food steals water from your body instead of gives you water. So then people will say, oh, I'm dehydrated when in fact you're oxidized. That's what aging is. It's oxidation. So I'm looking to put in what I call a mucus-free lifestyle where the foods don't leave residue. Fruit is the only food known to man that doesn't require insulin. That means every other food that requires insulin means your body has to burn energy to break down the food. You know, there's no second creation in nature. You can't ingest protein to make protein. I don't know where that came up with, but it's unproven and it's not true. Okay, Whereas so... I'm sorry, Brian, I just want before we can go forward, I just want to bring everyone up to uh, speed who's listening and viewing. Um, so your exact title, uh, are you you're a health and wellness expert, you work with clients to physically train them? Or do you do nutrition counseling? Just um, couch yeah. your title a bit more specifically for those who are tuning in? Well, I was personally training people for 33 years very successfully. And then during COVID, when I saw the need arise about people's breathing habits and how they could be helped. I started my own breathing company online and now it's grown pretty large. And now I'm really only helping people to teach them how to breathe because we just came out of a, an event where we were stifled to breathe. So now people's breathing mechanics are off. So I am a human performance specialist okay. with a focus on restorative breath training. So let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, we take breathing for granted. We just do it. As long as we're here, we're breathing. Um, and we often don't give much thought to that. But you have techniques that um, breathing for a better lifestyle to release toxins, um, 
which, you know, I'm sure mindful breathing also promotes relaxation. One of the things you alluded to in the beginning of the show was the impact of stress on the body, which I, I totally support. I think that high levels of stress can yield severe negative impacts on the human body. Um, but talk about what this breathing technique is and what are the tangible known benefits from employing these techniques? Sure. Well, there was two incredible studies that have come out in the recent years. One was in 2017 where Stanford proved there's a part of the brain that spies on your breathing. And if you're breathing too fast, it'll send feelings of agitation to the brain. And if you're breathing slowly, it'll send feelings of tranquility to the brain. And that's really important to understand that slow breathing can actually create an environment of good feelings. So everybody needs to be assessed in how they breathe. Are they breathing too fast or are they breathing too slow? Are they making noise when they breathe or are they breathing silently? And that makes a huge difference into how you feel throughout the day because it's your breathing rhythm that controls the pH of your blood. And if you're breathing too fast, then you're going to have an alkaline blood. And that means that your carbon dioxide levels drop. And that's important. And the other study was in 2021 by Washington University. And they came out, and you can type it into Google just like this, the length of your breath hold time and determine your risk stratification to respiratory illness. So now we know that there's a very specific length of time you could hold your breath that will determine whether or not you are susceptible to respiratory illness. So I teach people how to assess these numbers and how to fortify their breathing so that they never get sick like that ever in their life because it is preventable. So how do you assess someone's rate of breathing or, you know, because it seems that if we're physically active, obviously our rate is growing up or we're breathing more labored or more rapidly. If we're sedentary or sitting at our desks or sitting around a table, we're, we're obviously much more regulated and baseline. How do you measure, where do you take these measurements from? Is it post-workout right. or is it when you initially meet with the client or how do you do this remotely that you're, that you're getting them to do this via right. a Zoom call or Skype? Well, yeah, the good thing is it's a very simple test and it can be taught to people on Zoom very easily. And it's, you would wake up in the morning and you could sit still for about five to 10 minutes. Just sit still. You don't have to meditate. You just have to be mindful of sitting still and, and watching how you breathe, just being observant of how you breathe. And then the test is very simple. You take a silent, normal breath in and a silent, normal breath out. And when you get to the out breath, you would pinch your nostril, which would pause your body from breathing. As you pause your body from breathing, you wait till you have your first definitive sign that you're holding your breath. And as soon as you feel that sign, you would let go. And that length of time, when you pause your breath and when you feel it, is what we call your threshold to carbon dioxide. And it's a physiological test based off of physiological law of cellular respiration that everyone on the planet needs to know. 
So what what have the what has the impact been on your clients? Can you share some stories with us? Absolutely, yes. Uh, recently, I've been I hired a new marketing coach, and we've been putting together all of my testimonials from the people who take my six month course. And you're going to see testimonials on my Instagram page, which is breath underscore verse, like in universe, breath verse. And you'll see a woman who's a veteran and she was an agoraphobe trapped in a room at the VA hospital thinking she would never get out of the, the psych ward. And they were about ready to remove her thyroid because they told her she had to have her thyroid out. But she was also 50 pounds heavier at the time. And she was suffering from PST, PTSD. And she started breathing with me and it took about six months. She didn't say a word in class. And then all of a sudden she started to speak and she started to speak about the things that were happening in her body and the changes that were taking place. And all of a sudden she was getting out of the house and she was losing weight and she was moving. And now she's a master instructor, women's self-defense teacher who travels the world. And it's only been two years. Wow. Major turnaround for her. Yeah. So, but, you know, but it works hand in hand for you, the diet, the lifestyle and, and the breathing. So, you know, to the, the diet does not have to be part of the breathing practice. Okay. When I teach it. Yeah. Okay. Do you find that most people um, are apt to try it? Yes. So you said. Because uh, they look at me. <laughs> they look at me and you, the listeners don't know, but, uh, our good friend, Tim Judge, has known me since we were 14 years old, and I've always been in impeccable shape. Yeah, and no, definitely, definitely. Being in, but being in shape didn't always work out to the meaning that I was healthy. And that's what, even being in shape five years ago, everything was unhealthy, and it was because of the way I was breathing. So it didn't matter what I looked like. Well, you certainly well, I, have a strong I was going to jump in there and, and, and say... Pretty much what you said there. We, we went to high school together here in Nurshell, the sacrament, and we were on the wrestling team together and, and friends, uh, you know, since freshman year. But, uh, you know, Brian grew up in the in that physical trainer mode. And I, you know, became your average typical guy with, uh, you know, 20 extra pounds around his belt. Um, and, and but through the recent years, we reconnected and, and I've been doing breath uh, holds. Um, of course, not as focused as some of his, uh, you know, clients um, need or want, but I do want to improve um, in this area. But I do find it helpful, very much helpful, and very much um, being aware of my breath has helped me deal with stress. Um, not not because I have five kids or anything like that, but you know, just the the average stuff going on in my life. It definitely affects. Um, you know, your thought patterns and, and what I, how I feel physically because of the training that I've gone through with Brian and, and just, and, and just for everyone out there, you can take it little by little or as much as you think you need it. It just improves um, your focus and um, ability to concentrate on yourself. And, and that breath hold and that breathing exercises has been very much uh, relaxing and helpful uh, exercise for me. There's a lot of articles as well that support this. There was an article in Business Day um, about, you know, being mindful of breathing and how breathing techniques can help the body. And um, yeah. there's one uh, holistic healer from Canada, a man by the name of William McGurr. Um, 
he pointed out a lot of people were under breathing or not taking deep breaths often enough. And he said breathing was the main way to detox the body, which ultimately improves function. So there's, um, you know, there's a lot that, you know, the body's a system for sure. So obviously any buildup of toxins is undesirable. Yeah. So a release, um, it makes a lot of sense that mindful breathing techniques um, would yield great effects on the body. But circling back to um, the fruitarian lifestyle, and people can go online and, and read about this. This is, um, this is a known practice. This is um, a way of life. Um, but also uh, with any type of, and it is anything like this we do, put in a radical category and not saying that pejoratively, but it's, it is restrictive. So we do call it more of a radical approach. And with any approach like that, there are criticism. Can you address some of the criticism, Brian, that it's a, it is a very restrictive diet and it doesn't allow for a variety of, of different substances that provide different nutrients to us? Sure. The, I think the two things that people would say are most restrictive is that <clears throat> you're not getting enough protein in your diet. Well, when your mother gave birth to you and the first thing she did when you locked onto the nipple was produce colostrum in the first one to three days. And that's when the mom gave us a lot of human growth hormones and protein. But it only lasts the most three days. Then after that, mother's milk switches to 2.5% protein, which is barely any, 4% fat, and 9% sugar, and the rest water. So that means that you are reared on sugar, nothing else. You need very little protein and very little fat. You're reared on mostly sugar. So then as you grow up and you pass the milk stage, people think that it's common to continue to drink milk, but yet no other being on the planet does that except for us. Kind of strange if you really think about it. Just no other body does it. And then we think that we need more protein, but yet you really still only need the same exact constituents that was in your mother's milk because every protein cell you're ever born with, you make. And fat cell, it's already there in your body. It's just getting bigger and smaller over time, but you're not creating more of them. Different fibers, yes but not more cells. They're born in your body. And the other misconception is that fruit sugar is, is too much sugar. Except like I said, and this is very easily researched, sugar, when it goes in as a fruit, when it goes in alone, it doesn't require any insulin by the body to be absorbed through the membrane, which means it's completely and totally safe. In fact, it would be the safest food on planet earth for a human being. When I did some research um, on fruitarian lifestyles, uh, some notable followers came up and for five years, Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi was, uh, was a fruitarian, um, nice. but it was, uh, he was advised to return to a vegetarian lifestyle due to a pre-existing medical condition. Um, Ashton Kutcher adopted this diet, uh, to play a role uh, when he was playing um, Steve Jobs and Apple um, for weight loss, he did this, but um, this act actually, he said, affected his pancreatic level. So he came out of the diet um, once that happened. And then Steve Jobs himself 
as a college freshman employed this lifestyle. So it's certainly, you know, a known, a known diet. It's not a fad. It's been around for a while. Um, They also say that nuts and seeds are are part of this diet. Um, But that remaining 5%, Brian, um, so fruits, nuts, seeds, what else is permitted? What else would be even rarely permitted or sometimes permitted in this diet? Okay. Well, my, my theory is that I'm still not clean enough in my body. I want to continue to clean. So to do that, I have to eat a food that doesn't leave any residue. And that would mean it needs as little insulin as, as possible. So number one, it'll be any kind of fruit. Then number two, I could switch to leafy greens. Okay. So when I, when I feel like I want to eat something else, which is only at night, if I feel like I'm, I don't want to eat fruit today, then I'll have a spinach salad with some sort of, some form of vegan dressing. But I won't put anything on the salad because, I mean, other than the salad, because I'm, I don't want to mix foods. When you mix foods, they turn to acids in the belly. And this is where everyone on the planet doesn't understand is that it doesn't matter what the food looks like above ground. (laughs) It matters how it mixes in your body. And if it turns to acid, then you're going to have to use oxygen to get rid of the acid and you're going to need insulin. And then after salads would be seeds then nuts and then vegetables. Okay. So, um, but again, this is working for you. This has worked for people. Um, you've given us some fruit for thought here, but we've been speaking with Brian Mirabella, um, human performance expert. Can you just give us your website, Brian, for listeners and viewers today? It's quantumfitness.org. Quantumfitness.org. Okay. Well, thank you, Brian, for taking the time. And thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen as we took the time to talk. Have a great day, Westchester. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.